Game week is finally upon us. It's week one for your Los Angeles Rams, and welcome to a special kickoff edition of Rams All Access to Marco Farr and J.B. Long from SoFi Stadium. We could not wait until Sunday. We had to get here on a Thursday, D. Farr. What, we're not staying? The game's not now? (laughs) What are you talking about? Did you bring your sleeping bag? We could. we moved the game to Thursday. (laughs) Here we are. (laughs) It's a matchup of playoff teams. It's a matchup we've become really familiar with over the recent years. They continue to meet. In prime time for the fourth consecutive season, the Rams have had the better of it since that uh, fateful night by the lake in Chicago on 2018. Better fortunes for McVay and company since. And obviously, we're going to spend a lot of this uh, kickoff show talking about Matthew Stafford and the difference that the Rams hope he will make in their pursuit of a championship, a Super Bowl that will be hosted right here in Inglewood in February. But I'll challenge you with a non-Stafford big-picture thought first, DeMarco. Before we talk about the quarterback, what else is on your mind at the outset of a new campaign? Real quick, I checked. Have the Rams and and the Bears played like 18 times since like 1994 (laughs) or something? I mean, why aren't they in the same division? I mean, uh, this is a mini rivalry, always fun. You know what you're going to get when you see that C on the helmet. But uh, big big picture, uh, outside of Matthew Stafford, I guess it, it goes right to Sean McVay. Uh, the first four years have been a success. You've got an NSC championship to your to your. Uh, you can add to your your mantle. Um, it bought you the next four years, and now you get the quarterback that you want. Uh, you know, when we always talk to Sean McVay, he's big on legacy. I mean, even on air or off air, he is big on legacy. He absolutely gets it. Well. Sean McDermott is right on his heels, right, as far as the, the current group of guys, the, the current young coaches that are having a lot of success. He's got his quarterback, a young guy, locked up for the next six years. So Buffalo is going to be a player in the AFC. So Sean McVay with Matthew Stafford, you've you got to pull gold out of the sky with this. So big picture, th- this is all about McVay. How many coaches has he lost? How many good players has he lost to the NFL? We just can't pay him or they get jobs. Uh, it's Eventually, like we said, when he took the job, four or five years down the road, it's all going to come back to him. And mm. here we are at the, on the precipice of that, that second wave of Sean McVay in Los Angeles. And I'll tell you this, uh, I've been doing a little battling on the radio in L.A., and I still can't believe it. Uh, a lot of people say that the, the Rams still aren't L.A.'s football team, right? Well, if you get it in the second half of the Sean McVay era with, with Matthew Stafford, I think he is the guy that really would bring this team back mm-hmm. home for the fans. I like that you start with the head coach yeah. because back when they made the trade for Matthew Stafford, I, I jotted this down, and I think it's held up over the course of the offseason. In his debut as a head coach, his first shot at it, he just put together one of the best four-year stretches in modern league history, certainly in Rams history. And for some people, that's not enough. <laughs> right. Right. I mean, four years later, he's still one of the youngest coaches in the league. He's got an NFC championship, three playoff wins, 43 victories overall. And for some people, that's not enough. Fortunately for Rams fans, Sean McVay is one of those people for whom that is enough, which is right. why he and the organization did what they did even before last year's Super Bowl was played in the hopes of getting there themselves as they host it this time around. Matthew Stafford is, of course, the most instrumental piece to that puzzle. And so now we project with about three days left before kickoff on Sunday Night Football against the Bears, what will it look like when McVay has his hand-selected operator at the controls? Before we make our projections, why don't we hear from Stafford himself? What does he want this offense to be in 2021? I think like every... Like every offense in the NFL, we want to be physical. You know, we want to be physical. We want to be tough. 
Um, you know, we want to be efficient. We want to be explosive. If we can do all those, it'd be pretty darn good. So we're going to do everything we can to make sure that that's that's kind of how we go. Um, you know, we want to make sure that we're physical both in the run game and in the pass game. Um, you know, efficient on first and second down, and then keeping drives alive on third down. Then we get our chances. You know, to be explosive, just doing everything we can to try and hit those. Um, sounds like a perfect game plan to me. You know, it doesn't always happen that way, but uh, I think that's, as an offense, the identity that we're going to, you know, work to build. That's not too much to ask, is it, DeMarco? No, not at all. Not at all. What did we call him in training camp, the Manchurian candidate? He's perfect, man. I mean, really, he answers questions perfectly. There's a lot of stuff in there. Everything he says is exactly right. It's rah-rah, but it's real stuff at the same time, and... He's good on the field. But, yeah, I mean, uh, I, I cannot wait to see what he does in this offense and vice versa. I can't wait to see what Sean McVay could not do without a guy like this as his quarterback. It's not just a, a one-plug-and-replace solution, right? I mean, because it goes both ways. Stafford has blemishes. Mm-hmm. He doesn't have a playoff win. So in some ways, it's paradoxical to say that he's the guy that's going to get you over the hump and get you to the ultimate game again, right? Because Jared Goff had been there. Right. Couldn't cash it in, but he got there. But there's this this kind of um, symbiotic relationship that I think the Rams and Matthew Stafford sensed and bought into. And so now here is how I think it's going to play out on the field. Let's look at it from Stafford's vantage point first. He's been banged up and beat up and pummeled over the course of his career. I think he'll have less of that here in Los Angeles within McVay's scheme. I think despite being a a fourth-quarter comeback orchestrator, leading the league in that category throughout his career, hopefully he won't have to do that. At some point he will, but not as much as he did Mm -hmm. year after year after year in Detroit. It won't be part of the game plan. It it (laughs) hopefully will not be. It'll be the exception, not the norm. Right. More victory formation than fourth-quarter comebacks. I think he's going to have more open targets with lower drop rates now that he has Cooper Cup and Robert Woods and Deshaun Jackson and Van Jefferson and Tyler Higbee. We know the open space that Sean McVay creates. He's going to have big open windows, hopefully higher percentage throws. Uh, With a heavier dose of pre-snap motion, he never got that consistently in Detroit. Um, play action, full buy-in, moving the spot like we saw for all those years with Goff. That's going to equal yards after catch. The Rams always lead the league in that category. Um, And the most efficient running game he's ever had, I I I think, if everything goes according to plan. I I hope, especially the last part about the running game, and that's the only question mark, is uh, who's it going to be and for how long? Uh, Can Daryl Henderson carry the load, and does he get banged up again? Sony Michelle, we don't even know that much. We haven't seen him in the offense uh, could he be your second uh, running back or possibly your first? And then Jake Funk, Funk was just drafted. But the, the running game, I think, is ultra important when you talk about Matthew Stafford and this offense. If you go back and look at Sean McVay's success and look at the rushing yards, the rushing attempts, yards per carry, that was top 10. That was upper echelon of the National Football League. Uh, when things started to go bad, the running game kind of suffered and struggled. So if there's no balance to the offense. You put everything on the quarterback, and I don't care who you have. It could be Matthew Stafford. could be Aaron Rodgers. You have problems that mm-hmm. way. If you've got to throw to win every single play, every single game, you're going to have issues. So as long as you have balance, achieve balance, it may not, may not be from one guy. It could be by committee. But as long as you keep the defense honest, I agree with you. Uh, this offense, especially week one, is tough to defend. Remember going all the way back? Who was it? Um, one of those weeks we talked about, I said, I bet they, they'll, by the fourth play action, they'll play it correctly because you haven't seen it. You don't know what to defend or what they're trying to make you do. So I bet this week the run game and the offense will start to work, but week three or four, they'll have some answers for you, and then that's when you start to see the, 
Matthew Stafford advantage to this offense and what he can bring to it. So that's a little bit about what the Rams can do for Stafford. I've got thoughts on what Stafford is going to do for the Rams, but let's pause there to get Sean McVay's thoughts on that running game because they lose Cam Akers right before training camp. Thought to be a devastating blow. They're still going to lean heavily on Daryl Henderson. They make the trade for Sony Michelle, who's you know less than two weeks new now to this offense coming over from New England. So how will distribution of carries look on opening night? When he's played, he's played at a really high level, and we have a lot of confidence in Daryl. And Thomas Brown's done a great job, you know, continuing to push Daryl in the right way. Sony's had production that you could see over the last couple years. I'm excited about what I think he can contribute. And then Jake Funk is a guy that I don't think it's too big for him. You know, he handled the preseason really well. He's done a nice job of just getting better and better. Shows great maturity for a rookie. But, you know, I think it's to be determined. But I do like the way that those guys complement each other's skill sets, how we uh, utilize them during the game. You know, we're still kind of working through. But but feel really comfortable with Daryl leading the way. And then those other guys, uh, you know, Excited to see what they can do. Sean McVay on his rushing attack as he gets set for Sunday Night Football Week 1 against the Chicago Bears with DeMarco Farr, J.B. Long. This is our debut episode of 2021 for Rams All Access. And here's what I have in mind for the Rams with Stafford coming to town. I got a short list here of what he's going to mean to this offense as they look to get back to the top of the NFL. Stop me when you hear something that you don't think rings true. Okay. Better ball security. Production under pressure creating off schedule, an increase in average depth of target, taking the top off defenses. And because of that, lighter boxes, more favorable numbers in the running game. I see no lie. (laughs) Offensive line, maybe looking better than you would say individually. Hopefully. I mean, Brian Allen looked good when he was the starter before, and then he got hurt and he had to change things. So they look great now. We'll see if they can make it through week one with the same five. We've got two more. Red zone mastery. I think this will be the best red zone season the Rams have had since returning to L.A. Still, the best red zone threat the Rams have had in the McVay area has been Sammy Watkins. We're still waiting for that to come around. So I agree with you. Maybe it's Matthew Stafford. Maybe it's the receivers you have. But, yeah, I, I hope with Matthew Stafford, red zone offense increases. And then last one, because I know this is the bugaboo for you for me and for Rams fans everywhere with Matthew Stafford under or behind center I think Sean McVay will be sprinting down this sideline below us at SoFi Stadium less early in halves to burn timeouts on offense oh thank god oh just a lot well you never know we don't know somebody could uh, you know mess with the headsets but yeah that, that got old quickly last year all the burning timeouts it just puts you at such a disadvantage towards the end of a half uh depending on score or whatnot so with Matthew Stafford, if the play is bad, he can take it, he can call it, he can spike it, throw it to a dead spot in the field. I don't think you have to burn timeouts with a guy like him as your quarterback. Next on Rams All Access, who besides Stafford needs to step up for the Rams to get to where they are trying to go? Plus matchups you like for the Rams and matchups that concern you for the Rams as they prepare to host the Chicago Bears in primetime in Inglewood. This is Rams All Access on 710 ESPN. It's never something that's really bothered me. I've never felt undersized and people think they understand football. Like they don't understand leverage and they don't understand how guys feel other things and having a wrestling background and on top of starting lower than most guys and being able to come through. It's just something that's easier for me than it's, than it is for a, you know, taller guy. So I use that to my advantage and I like to think I'm a little quicker than, you know, an offensive lineman on the inside. So that's another thing that helps when, you, know, you pair those two things together. There's a guy around here. He plays on the other side of scrimmage, but uh, number 99 who walks. Yeah, he's, he's undersized too. Yeah, someone used to say that about him too, yeah. I remember. That's Ram starting center Brian Allen at the outset of his four season. It's been 
over 670 days since we saw him on the field in Pittsburgh uh, following the bye in 2019 when he unfortunately ripped up his knee. We continue with Rams All-Access to Marco Farr, J.D. Long. And look, Brian was the story of training camp. He was the biggest development, winning back that starting center job. So as we get into matchups you like for the Rams and others that concern you for the Rams against the Bears, why don't we start right there in the middle with the man who's going to send the first snap back to Stafford? Definitely. First of all, that's Cap, what he said about feeling undersized. I know you feel undersized. Every time you're in the huddle and you look up and you see Rob Havenstein's armpit, yeah, you feel undersized. His answer was so good that you <laughs> knew it had been on his mind and Absolutely. he'd heard it before, right? But okay. it's not a disadvantage. I mean, it's actually better for a center not to be so tall because, like you said, it's all about leverage. When you get guys like you're about to play versus Chicago, these Akeem Hicks and these Eddie uh, Goldman type guys, these 330-pound monsters, you better be quick and get position. And in this, in this offense, run or pass, the ball's going to be gone in a split second. All you need is position and to get to the right spot. So it uh, works out good. Um, I thought that Brian Allen, when he was drafted, I thought he had a chance to be a pretty good center. Um, and I think because I think that's all he can play with the size that he is. He's not the biggest guy. You can't see him flopping over to guard. Then he would really be undersized. But at center, I think he's per- uh, uh, perfect. And listening to him talk, uh, that is the babyface promo. I want to hear the real guy, the nasty guy that comes out. Centers are supposed to be nasty, especially when you have th- those sort of dimensions. So be the leader. Be the guy that drags the offensive line into a street fight. Make it nasty against Chicago. Get them pushing and shoving on you and forgetting about the game plan. You'll, you'll have a heck of a day. But, yeah, Brian Allen being the starting center does not shock me. Brian Allen staying healthy for all 16, 17 weeks, that would surprise me. That snippet came from our Rams All-Access conversation this week from the Rams facility. You can find it on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts, including Apple and Spotify. How about a matchup you like for the Rams? What is the most favorable matchup with the Bears this week, do you think, for wow. L.A.? Okay, well, the receiving core of the Rams. I mean, Cooper Cup, Robert Woods, I, that's one name. Can we say that? Yes. Woods Cup, Cup Co- Woods. I agree. They've been together for since 2017. Uh, nobody does it better in tandem. And... Now they've got Deshaun Jackson. They've added him to the ranks. So I'll go the Rams receivers plus a Matthew Stafford. I'll raise you a Matthew Stafford versus the Chicago Bears cornerback group. Uh, You talk about Jalen Johnson, who is in his second year. And the other guy you have to help me with. (laughs) Kendall Vildor. Kendall Vildor, and it sounds like something out of a movie. He's taking over for Kyle Fuller. Yes, who's who's now with Denver. And their third corner is Duke Shelley Duke looks Shelley. like he'll get the nod in the slot. He's a third-year, six-round pick. Artie Burns would be another option. He was taken 25th overall in 2016 by Pittsburgh, now with his second franchise. Okay, so if I'm Sean Desai, their defensive coordinator, and this is my first year as a coordinator, I'm a little bit nervous about those guys going one-on-one with Cooper, with Woods and Cup. With an offense going to make you play sub-package the absolutely. whole Absolutely. Yep. I mean, you're gonna exp- you don't want to expose them too much to one-on-one to man coverage because they will get beat. I think it's a foregone conclusion that Deshaun Jackson can get behind just about anybody and Woods Woods and Cup can cut you up. So I'll take the receiving core versus their secondary. I think they have good safeties, and I think those safeties are going to have to help, which will lighten the box, which will probably benefit the running game. But the matchup I'm looking for that I think the Rams – have the advantage is their receiving core versus those cornerbacks. If only Sean McVay would be willing to throw it with his new quarterback. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. No doubt. Absolutely. 
Yes. I'm looking for like a 70-30 split. Press the on X Sunday button. Night. Let it go. Here's one, uh, maybe a sneaky one that concerns me for the Rams. We can get to like the Rams tackles against the vaunted pass rush of Quinn and Mack, but I'm actually going to look for a big second-year jump from Bears tight end Cole Komet. Uh, they still have Jimmy Graham, but I think Komet's time is now. Oh, boy. And one answer that I'm not sure I have from preseason is how Rams are going to match up with some of the opposing tight ends. We get to George Kittle and company later in the schedule. Seattle's got some good tight ends, but Komet is a good test right out of the gate. Like I thought for a time that Terrell Burgess was going to be that Swiss Army knife that could play that way, maybe give you the option of putting Jalen Ramsey on some more prolific tight ends. We have not seen nor talked about the off-ball linebackers, Kenny Young in particular. Uh, Traven Howard could come in and, and play some coverage. I'm not saying the Rams don't have options there, but I think Komet is the type of weapon that the Bears and, and subsequent offenses could have success with against this Rams defense. Oh, 100%. Oh, this was the Bears I'm worried about in coming after the Rams. I'm sorry, I gave you the no, wrong No, no, no. No, you yeah. gave me the right answer. Okay. I was changing, oh, you changed up. changing okay. perspective. But I'm with you. I mean, I'm, I'm worried about anyone's tight end, and let's take this a little bit farther down the road. You still don't have an answer for Kittle. I think that's fair, mm-hmm. right? Uh, that's still a problem. Anybody's tight end uh, has a chance to have success between the hash marks just because of who's there or who's not there uh, for the Rams as far as linebacking goes. So, issue. Now, that all can change, especially they have good receivers as well, the Bears do, but that all changes because of the pressure you put on the quarterback. You know what I mean? It kind of limits what you can do. And Aaron Donald is great deodorant. He really covers up a, a lot of stink in the secondary. So uh, as long as you're getting good pressure on Dalton, then you know the, the sky's the limit there. But, yeah, tight ends down the middle of the field, out in the flat, always a problem versus a Rams defense. Let's play the name game, and let's talk about some individuals who need to rise to the occasion this season for the Uh Rams to accomplish their ultimate goals. Uh, In any season, on any roster, there are certain position groups and or players who, because of the salary cap and because you can't just recruit five-star prospects, are question marks, are, are areas of the field where teams are placing bets. I have one top of mind this year, Taylor Rapp. Big year for him, year three. Kind of supplanted last year, never really healthy. Now John Johnson moves on. Taylor Rapp's success could, I think, be a big hinge in terms of where the Rams go on defense this year. Absolutely. You know, in the run game, I have no problem. If you can plug him into that Mark Barron role and plug him into that front seven, I I think he'll make every tackle Mm -hmm. he's supposed to make, and about 100 he shouldn't. Uh, The guy is a natural tackling machine. The problem is when he's backing up away from the quarterback. Uh, There's been some issues there with the communication, uh, trying to figure out where you're help or where you're supposed to help and which guy. So if you can figure all that out and stay healthy, I have no doubts by the end of the year, Taylor Rapp is what we thought he would be coming out of Washington, one of the better combo safeties in the league. Now we have a long way to go from there, but I'm with you. Um, Throw a name at me. Offense, defense, doesn't matter. All right, Leonard Floyd. Uh, Yes. It's kind of unfair, but this is football. I mean, you just got paid. And you got paid on potential. That's fair, right? Ten and a half sacks netted you 64 million bucks. Now, in the NFL, I know this. When they pay you, they're always looking to take it back. So you're going to have to come out and perform better than you did last season uh, to keep that sort of deal coming. So, and I'll go back to an old boxing adage, and it applies to Leonard Floyd. It's hard to get up and run when you're wearing silk pajamas. So now you've got the bag in the bank let me see if you're, if you're as hungry as you were last season because what I saw was a guy last year that really wanted to get paid. Now you're there. What else do you got? Turned 29 years of age just a couple of days ago. He actually had a lower 
pass rush win percentage in 2020 with the Rams than he did in 18 or 19 with the Bears. The numbers look good. There's an Aaron Donald effect, but now they paid you to be elite. And by the way, Justin Holland's opposite you and who knows what behind is a major question mark. Well, you know what? Look, make yourself a right end. I'd say this. If Leonard Floyd gets better and plays better than he did last year and AD is still AD, then that right defensive end, right outside linebacker, you don't have to be a detective. Just be a security guard to make sure the quarterback doesn't get out. Hmm. You can do it with a left end and a defensive tackle. You don't need a top flight right defensive end to wreak havoc. Just build a wall and make sure he doesn't get away, and then away you go. Can I throw one more when we're talking about the business of football? Uh, Robert Woods, I love him. I think he's the thumper of this football team. I really do. Fourth highest paid guy. Ten yards a catch last year. I mean, when you start looking at other receivers and their yards per catch, his kind of stands out. So, big year for him. You've got Matthew Stafford. All excuses are out the window. Let's see what a maxed out potential Robert Woods looks like on this field. I'll go uh, David Long Jr. next and last for me. I mean, I I think it's his spot to lose. Third corner besides Darius William and and Jalen Ramsey. You would figure that someone like that is going to get a lot of work, is going to be tested thoroughly. We saw it going back to the joint practice with the Dallas Cowboys during Mm -hmm. training camp. I'm not sure he's the final answer there yet, but he was drafted to be the first answer this season. His time is now. I think he's ready to go. I really do. Now, as far as what spot and how, we don't know. We're going to see it with Raheem Morris, and that's another guy that's on front street. You are taking over the number one defense. You know what I mean? I talked to him about scheme. I talked to him about carryover. I like his style. I understand his style. Let me see if you can get your players to play hard. But when you have a Jalen Ramsey, one of the best corners that can play inside-outside, you can kind of mix and match and protect certain guys against certain receivers and let Jalen Ramsey be the cooler. But David Long is a guy that's going to have to step up and play big and be that third guy. Let's get some perspective from Chicago next. It's four down territory, our weekly trip inside opponent's territory when we continue on this kickoff edition of Rams All Access, 710 ESPN. One of our favorite segments on Rams All Access each week, each season. It's four down territory. And with the Chicago Bears coming to SoFi Stadium, it's an excuse to check in with my friend Anthony Heron, big ant who uh, covers Bears on the postgame live show on Fox 32 in Chicago, also does phenomenal work on the radio side, on Big Ten Network, throughout the Midwest and across the country. Big Ant, great to have you back. How are things? JB, outstanding. The football season is getting in the full swing here, as you well know. So it's an exciting time, man. Not just talking some college football, but now we're getting the NFL season rolling. Well, I hardly have to ask this first of four questions because it's the one that's dominated the Chicago sporting landscape and really part of the NFL conversation Andy Dalton hanging on to his job despite drafting Justin Fields. What's your perspective on that entire dynamic as they go to Dalton to open a new season? Well, you know how I roll with a lot of things, JB. I, I tend to be more of the, the patient variety with, with decisions like this, especially major decisions that, you know, once you put Justin Fields in the lineup, you're not likely to go back. You're certainly not hoping to go back. And I do believe Justin Fields is going to end up playing a lot of football for the Chicago Bears this season, but I don't take any issue with them allowing him to sit and watch and in in some ways learn from Andy Dalton when they're prepared to face the returning number one defense in the National Football League in the opening game of the season on Sunday Night Football. And uh, I think if Andy Dalton plays well, there's going to be things that Justin Fields can learn from that and in just sort of evaluating how a veteran operates. And frankly, if Andy Dalton struggles, 
Justin Fields is going to be able to learn from that and learn from viewing his mistakes from the best seat in the house and then being a part of evaluating that in the meeting room as well. So whether Andy Dalton starts two games for the Bears, starts five games for the Bears, the longer he's in the lineup, it ends up meaning that he and the Bears are performing well. So I've been trying to advise Bears fans, you don't necessarily need to be upset if you don't see Justin Fields right off the bat. I think we're going to see him plenty. And if it goes a while where we don't, it's going to be because things are going well. If you've ever dined with Anthony Heron, you know that he cannot be rushed, especially when he works his way through a menu. One of the things I love about him. Question number two here on Four Down Territory. I read this morning in The Athletic from the Chicago's Beat Riders, the offensive line was the biggest problem for most of last season, and in their words, the 2021 version of the line is arguably worse than last season. They had to go to Jason Peters at 39 years of age to try and solve the left tackle problem for now. How much of a concern is that unit as they prepare to face Aaron Donald and company? It's really a remarkable concern for the Bears right now because, the, frankly, the interior of the offensive line, they feel good about with good reason because they did expend some quality draft capital at both guards. We have Cody Whitehair, who is now in his second deal with the Bears, and James Daniels, fellow fellow Iowa Hawkeye, where James Daniels has had some nice performances against the Rams in his young career. So assuming they're healthy, then you also have you know Sam Mustafer from Notre Dame, who was an undrafted free agent when he came out. But once he ended up sort of getting forced into the starting lineup last year via several injuries on the old line, he performed well. But a big part of that, is because the offensive system changed. You didn't necessarily see the Bears' offensive line put in in such difficult scenarios behind the eight ball with a lot of pocket passing and and sort of a stagnant launch point from the quarterback. There was a stretch late in the year where Matt Nagy gave up the play calling to Bill Lazor, and the offensive system adjusted with that. There was more commitment to the ground attack. There was more consistent movement of the pocket. The Bears' offense began looking similar to what the Rams offense looks like with Jared Goff at quarterback. And we'll see. We don't know for sure what which system. Will it be what we saw from Nagy or will it be what they morphed into with laser? I tend to think the laser variety will mask a lot of the concerns of the offensive line. Anthony, I know they're also depending heavily on the bets they've made at corner. Uh, Jalen Johnson in his second season, a, a second-round selection a year ago. Duke Shelley, uh, Kyle Vildor, I mean, trying to replace someone like Kyle Fuller against a Rams offense that has become known for its 11 personnel packages. Can they contend with the likes of Robert Woods and Cooper Cup and Deshaun Jackson? It's really going to come down to whether or not they can keep Matt Stafford under duress. If the Bears defensive front, where they've expended so much financial capital, where they've spent so much money, on guys like Akeem Hicks and Robert Quinn and certainly Khalil Mack. If they perform at a high level, then that's going to tell the tale of whether or not the Bears' secondary can play at a high level because, you know, Jalen Johnson, you and I watched most of his games, if not all of his games in college. We know how talented he is, and he performed really well as a rookie. But between Johnson at one corner, Eddie Jackson at safety, Bears feel really well about what they can do in covering the pass from there to Sean Gibson has provided some of the thump that they were missing a bit in the secondary. A lot of question marks beyond that, though. The opposing starting corner in that nickel position, that's a part of why Matt Nagy and his first-year defensive coordinator, Sean Desai, they haven't said who's going to start at nickel for the Bears at this point because they frankly just don't want that additional preparation to be allowed for the Rams to find that individual that they're going to be able to focus on attacking early in the game. 
Final question of Four Down Territory with Anthony Heron, who hosts Bears Post Game Live in Chicago on Fox 32. If we were to have this uh, conversation a year ago, we would probably be talking about the elite pass rush on the edge, Rob Quinn, Khalil Mack. 12 months forward, neither one of them had a great 2020. Is that still an elite tandem? I believe it is in skill. Khalil Mack still performed at a really high level last year. The sack numbers weren't there because Akeem Hicks missed a lot of playing time and because Robert Quinn didn't perform that well. I think overall, Khalil Mack still affected the game in a a really intense manner. There were a lot of pressures and hurries. The sack numbers weren't there, though, because opponents got to a point where they could just sort of focus on making sure Khalil Mack didn't wreck the game for them. And that's why when I've been posed the question in recent years, Khalil Mack versus Aaron Donald, Aaron Donald has the most direct path to the QB, and he is just this this wrecking crew on the interior that's he just makes it difficult to try and game plan against him making plays. Khalil Mack out on the edge, his his position on the field doesn't you know, it allows folks to be able to deter some of his pass rush skills a little bit more easily. So I think overall it's still a tandem that there should be high hopes for. I'm really confident Khalil Mack is gonna perform well. Robert Quinn, we'll see, you know, whether or not he's beyond a point in his career where he can be a dominant force off the opposing edge. When he gets to the top, the apex of his rush, does he still have that burst to finish, to turn the corner and finish to the QB when he's actually still holding the football to create sacks and strip sacks and things that really turn the tide of a game? Big Ant, always enjoy it. Go ahead and set a calendar alert for next season when the Bears and the Rams undoubtedly meet on Sunday Night Football for the fifth consecutive year. Uh, tradition unlike any other, JB. I would look forward to talking to you when that happens. Love you, man. Anthony Heron from Chicago previewing the Bears and the Rams on Four Down Territory. We bring back DeMarco Farr. Uh, have not given you a chance yet to weigh in on the Andy Dalton-Justin uh, Fields dynamic. If you were in that locker room, we heard Anthony talk about it a little bit. What would your emotions be given the decision that your coach and your front office made to start the 2021 season with the veteran incumbent rather than the rookie? I think it's the right move. I mean, you don't want to rush your future out there too too soon, especially against a guy like Aaron Donald when, you know, something bad happens to Fields and now your whole franchise is set back. So you brought in Andy Dalton, who's a solid guy. Uh, you know, a lot of good quarterbacks have gone through Cincinnati and left differently. You know what I mean? So I liked him coming out of TCU. I thought he was... I, th- I think he's a darn good regular season quarterback, so this is a good starting place for the Bears, but eventually it's going to be Justin Fields' job. You know this. And even if it's going well uh, for for the uh, the Bears on, on game day against the Rams Sunday night, I still think you're going to see a dose of Justin Fields. Uh, based on what you saw in the preseason, I mean, putting that big guy out there in the red zone, you've got problems as a defense. I don't care who you have. That run-pass option is a legit threat with him as as the quarterback, so – Regardless of who's starting, you're going to see a healthy dose of Justin Fields at some point. I'll pose a question to you in two different ways. And the first is more straightforward, which is how much do you think Aaron Donald influenced that decision, this number one defense from a year ago? Or put another way, if the Bears were opening in the early window against the Houston Texans, would Justin Fields be starting? Probably, yeah. A little bit of a softer touch, sure. I mean, with a guy like Aaron Donald, I mean – he, he takes your game plan away. He's a wrecker. I mean, he can just ruin a lot of things. And for a young quarterback just trying to learn, the last thing you want to do is always be worried about Aaron Donald first. I mean, it's hard to play football that way. But Aaron, I mean, Andy Dalton's been through this before. He's a veteran. He's got experience. He knows how to come back or to do certain things to get back in a game. 
Fields is going to take a minute to learn. So I think it's smart to start with the veteran. But eventually, like I said, uh, maybe next week or the week after, it's going to be the field show from here on out for the Bears. You said that you even expect a package and an opportunity for him as early as Sunday night. Sean McVay said as much that they would be naive not to prepare for a Justin Fields package. But look, clearly it's Nagy and it's the Bears' preference that Dalton gets the start, that he gives them the best chance to begin a new year 1-0. and Should it be the Rams' preference? Did the Rams get the opposing quarterback they wanted? The more favorable That's matchup. That's a great question. Um, I, think, I think I would rather face a Dalton than a Justin Fields. That, that sort of, that style of quarterbacking is tough, be, and it makes it so easy to be a play caller because at various points in your offense, and only you know this, your quarterback just became your tailback, and you force your defense to adjust accordingly an extra gap over to compensate for the quarterback who can run. So that stresses everything you have defensively. It really puts you on your heels. But with Dalton, I mean, he's a game manager. He's a guy that you know can function well within an offense, but if you make it choppy, there's a good chance he'll throw it to you. So I think the Rams got off a little bit easier facing Dalton, even though he's the more experienced guy. When we come back, we will finish with Around the Division, the latest on the Seahawks, Niners, and Cardinals and their opener, plus AFC teams to pull for in Week 1. And I'll introduce a playoff eliminator contest that I'm not sure DeMarco Farr is going to buy into, but I'll give it my best and see if we can't introduce a new segment to Rams All Access throughout this 2021 campaign. He's DeMarco Farr. I'm JB Long, coming to you from SoFi Stadium, site of Sunday Night Football, the Bears and the Rams in Inglewood this weekend. This is Rams All Access on 710 ESPN. DeMarco, I don't know if you're going to like this, <laughs> but I want to try you with a new idea. Wow. Let's see. The last time somebody said that, I'm not sure if you're going to like this, I got stuck with the needle. Well, as we finish <laughs> up Rams All Access, I, I want to know if you'll play a season-long game with me, okay? okay. I, I don't know if this is going to work, but we'll never know unless we try. It's a playoff eliminator contest. You know how during March Madness, when you're confident that a team has won a game, you put them in Sharpie, you advance them to the next round? Yes. Well, I kind of want to do that in reverse with the NFL season, which is each week we'll have a chance, you and I, to draft a team or teams, essentially to eliminate them from playoff contention, to say they're cooked, they're not making it. Okay. If you eliminate a team, I'll give you the first draft pick each week, they're yours for the whole season. You get to put them in your bank. If they miss the playoffs, that's one point for you. Okay. But here's the catch. If a team you draft ends up making the playoffs, the expanded playoff format in this 17-game season, you automatically lose. Wow. You buy the other person dinner or a nice bottle of whatever. Wow. So Are I, you, we have to pick utility. Yes. Early you, in the you, season. You have to be a doubter. <laughs> oh, my god. Some might say a hater. <laughs> and look, there, there'll be some weeks where the answer is, wow. I'm passing. Nothing's changed. I'm not confident. You get rewarded for being aggressive in that, let's say, Houston, Jacksonville, Detroit, the Jets, whoever's in consideration. You can claim them early. You could take all four of those or one of those. It's totally your option. We'll go in alternating draft format. Okay. And we'll become more informed each week. Okay. So I'm picking a team this week that's not going to make the playoffs. If you want to. If you, can, if you want to say, you know what? The risk-reward is not there. I'm going to wait. You can. But I'll give you the first right of refusal this week. Do you week. have one already that's and, not going to so, make the play? And so I'm going to read and react. Right. I'm going to read and react. If you're saying, hey, I, I got two or three teams that I want right now, then you may force my hand 
to play defense a little bit. If you're saying, I'm going to stand pat this week and wait for week two or three or four, I may follow your lead. Oh, my gosh. Uh, okay, I want to pick one this week. I'll pick the Jets. I'm confident in the Jets not making the postseason. Okay, so I'm going to write down DeMarco has the Jets. Yes. Confident the Jets will not make the postseason. Good, because I was inclined to take a team this week, and I will go with the Detroit Lions. Ah, okay. I, I, I wanted to, can't, because of who's there. I like them. I'm kind of rooting for them. But you might be right. So we got Detroit and the Jets. And by the way, everyone is and should be a Jared Goff fan this week. They play host to the San Francisco 49ers. We'll go around the division coming up. Let's go San Fran. Anyone else? Let's you go ha- Detroit. Yeah. Are, are, you, are you content yeah. with one pick for this week? That's all I got for now. Okay. The Jets, I'm down on. All right, I will leave it there as well. We each have one in our category in this playoff eliminator contest. Stay tuned for week two and subsequent. How did you come up with this? I don't know. I I have a lot of time during the NFL offseason. This is good. Around the division, here are the games. Seahawks at Colts to open. The Rams go to Indy next week. So a good preview there. The Niners at Detroit. Uh, The Niners have the easiest schedule in the NFL, according to some forward-looking metrics. They begin on the road against Jared Goff and the Lions, and then the Cardinals with a tough one at the Titans to begin with. Where do you want to start? Well, look, at the Titans, that's a tough place to start. It really is. I I love what they're doing. I love what Vrabel's doing down there uh, in Tennessee. Um, The Cardinals, I, I think, are a Kyler Murray away from really contending in this division and in the NFL, but... Uh, I just don't think Vrabel and that offense with Henry will give them enough time uh, to do anything, to get going. So this will be a punishing one for the Cardinals. I see the Titans just absolutely blowing holes in the Cardinals' defense. Before we go any further, let me take a step back. Am I framing this the right way in terms of the 2021 NFC West? Four playoff contenders? Three Super Bowl contenders. Yeah, you're good. Uh, is with, and I'm putting a finger down for Arizona. Arizona dropping off of the Super Bowl race. Absolutely. Um, Russell Wilson is still in Seattle. I'm still trying to see what's going to happen because Seattle's offseason was a little screwball with Russell Wilson. Mm. Yeah, there, there, was, uh, there was talk about maybe getting rid of Russell, and then that kind of changed. So let's see if that affects them at all. But if, if it's all systems are go – in Seattle, yes, Russell Wilson is always a threat to win this division and to win it all. No, it ter- terrifies me about what? Seattle for all the talk of the Rams' defections. And most of them were on defense, personnel and coaching. Those are holes to fill, don't get me wrong. But Shane Waldron taking the McVay system to the Pacific Northwest, and now you've essentially got three Shanahan tree coaches in the division. Russell Wilson having the uh, Pete Carroll limitations lifted frightens me it should it should um it'll be interesting to see if they can get russell wilson to run this system yes no i agree consistently and not do his russell wilson cook thing but if you were to kind of summarize like what has sean McVay done for the rams offense so far the the two toughest things to do in the nfl i think are play quarterback and and play offensive line stop the freaks that pass rush the quarterback each week his offense is designed with incremental improvements helping those two groups as much as possible well what was the story to your point about the seattle offseason russell wilson going from mvp midseason to a nosedive especially against the rams right and his critique of his own offensive line does shane waldron solve for that i don't know but the upside potential is definitely there well definitely if you get that running game going i mean they've got some big tough backs up there is it going to be penny is it going to be carson running the football i mean they're going to be tough 
And if you can add that misdirection, that wing T type stuff that, that forces the eye violations defensively and add that to Russell Wilson, who's already a magician anyway, yeah, that should terrify you. Yeah, I'm really scared now. Thank you, JB. <laughs> didn't mean to. Yeah. Didn't mean to. Let's dig in on the Niners. Oh, I forgot. We have Aaron Donald. Okay, I'm better now. Well, and so that's, I've said this in a couple of um, you know, interviews of the course of the yeah. summer and previewing the NFC West. What I think is, is incredible is not just that there are four contenders, like we said, but how differently they play each other. And what I mean by that is Seattle's been the most consistently good right. in, in modern history, right? But the Rams, even going back to the days in St. Louis where they were not a, a capable football team, played Seattle well. Right. The Niners, aside from their Super Bowl run, have been topsy-turvy. But let's be serious. The Niners have had the Rams number of late. Arizona's been bringing up the rear more often than not, though they're on the ascension. And yet they give San Francisco and Seattle fits. Don't always win, but they give Seattle and San Francisco problems. Meantime, McVay's never lost to Arizona. It's crazy. So there's, there's <laughs> the, as you can only get in, in sibling wow. inter-family rivalries wow. and dynamics – there's a, an unpredictable factor that comes with being really, really good and, and having a lot of parity. Oh, no doubt. I mean, look, everyone wants to win this division. Everyone, every team wants to win every division, but this one is hotly contested. It almost seems personal sometimes when these, whenever the NFC West matches up against the other. But when you get against other squads, uh, like San Francisco can look like a juggernaut, and they do against certain teams and when they play the Rams. For some reason, they the Rams just light a fire under them and they execute perfectly. But when you watch them play against other teams, they have to sing for their supper. So uh, it just depends on the matchup you get. But San Francisco, to me, uh, now that they're healthy, uh, even with Garoppolo and they still have a quarterback situation, they have to figure out with Trey Lance. But I think along the offense and defensive lines, now that Bosa's back and Garoppolo's under center, well, you got problems coming out of San Francisco as well. Big problems. Yeah, we'll get yeah. there. We'll, <laughs> yeah. th- in future weeks, we'll talk a lot about oh, that yeah. dynamic as it evolves. Uh, I'm going to finish with AFC teams to pull for. I think this is a particularly sensitive year uh, for a couple of reasons. One, because I think some NFC divisions outside of the West are top-heavy, and what I mean by that is could Green Bay be the only team that comes out of the North? Could uh, Tampa Bay be the only team that comes out of the South? Potentially, but yes, for that yes. to happen... The AFC, which I think has 10, 11, maybe even 12 good teams, has to get the better of the NFC. And the reason why I'm on this point is because the Rams and the rest of the NFC West get a favorable draw with the AFC South, which if you had to pick is probably the down division, right? Some, some yeah. things go against the Rams. They have to go to Baltimore in that 17th game. That's not favorable. But can they clean up the AFC South is a big question mark for me this season in terms of getting to the win total that will put them in position to maybe have home field advantage and play in a Super Bowl. So AFC teams to pull for this week. Notable, Cincinnati against the Vikings. Uh, The Jets against Carolina. The Broncos against the Giants. And even the Chargers against the Washington football team. These are all what you would say bubble contenders in the NFC. The more L's they take, outside of their division, outside of the NFC, the easier a path to a playoff spot and maybe home field advantage for the Rams. You know, New York's got a good defense, um, and I hope Teddy Bridgewater looks a whole lot better than he did in preseason the last time we were there to see him. I mean, he couldn't hit the broadside of a barn. He was way off. So if they ever get that quarterback situation fixed in Denver, you've got a nice roster. You've got a chance to make something happen. 
DeMarco, thank you for helping me pass the time and getting us one hour closer to kickoff. It's been a long wait, but I am certain that it is going to be worth it. SoFi Stadium open to fans for Sunday night football against the Chicago Bears. I brought my toothbrush. I'm not leaving. You are going to camp out. I'm going to stay here and wait. Thursday night, (laughs) Friday night, Saturday night, it's game day. Thank you to Marco. You got it, man. Love you, man. <laughs> Love you, too. Appreciate you uh, listening to this edition of Rams All Access. We're here every Thursday for you throughout the 2021 campaign for your Los Angeles Rams. This is 710 ESPN.